Hello, welcome to the Real Playing Exchange. This is Adam, and this is the second time I've had to record this introduction. So, in this particular episode, we are wanting to discuss certain intellectual properties that we would like to present a homage to in role playing games. So, when we first recorded this, it was me, Chris, and Aaron, and we recorded until our Discord server slash recording bot Craig, something happened and we lost the entire, uh, say 30, we not entire, but we lost like 30 or 40 minutes of content. Fucking hate you, Craig. Hey, honestly, I think it was Discord. But anyway, so basically what we're going to do tonight, I'm joined by Chris, but we don't have Aaron. Aaron is, I don't know, work, Aaron I think. doing Aaron things. He's I think he's doing- stuck in traffic. Yeah, he took a picture of a van, a, a thing, and had a WrestleMania thing. Is wrestling happening in Texas tonight? I mean, if it isn't, I would be disappointed. <laughs> ah, good old wrestling. So we're going to go ahead and jump over to the previous recording where we discuss our homages. And then I'm going to inter- interrupt you, like the dutiful host I am, to inform you that N would like to weigh in on this topic. So let's listen to what we said. Uh, pretty much the uh, premise of this kind of began with a uh, conversation I had with Aaron a few days ago. And the conversation is, what property would you like to homage in a RPG? So it started with, and I was looking at it, and I'll include this in the show notes for people to look at. But I noticed that on Drive-Through RPG, there is a Kalkadu supplement that is very grind It's called Highway of Blood. And when I saw this, and I'm going to kind of read the stuff a little bit to you, but when I saw this, I thought, man, this is Aaron up and down. You find yourselves in West Texas during one of the worst heat waves the region has ever seen. You're driving along a long stretch of a lonely highway with a gas gauge edging slowly towards empty when you suddenly spot a sign that promises gas and maybe a coat. So that has a very heels has eyes kind of vibe to it. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. There's yep. a there's a lot of good things that went on in Texas. So I showed it to Aaron and he was very interested. So I just went ahead and purchased it. And then <laughs> and then I started reading the disclaimer. So there's going to be some things I'm going to have to edit out for our group. There's some things that I'm not comfortable with in this scenario uh, presenting. But yeah, so... A little bit of dog murder, maybe? Mm-hmm. Child murder. <laughs> uh, violence to children is what it yeah. says. So, you know, obviously I'd edit that out. And not knocking it, just not for my table. But yeah, so this is kind of where we're at. Like we started kicking some ideas around. I found a, another kind of homage game called Retro Star, which is kind of a 70s sci-fi Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica kind of thing. It looks like Disco Star Wars. <laughs> nice. The cover of Retro Star literally has a double for Burt Reynolds on it. So, you know, I'm kind of a, got a soft spot for that type of media anyway. No, that's fair, man. I, uh, if I, w- I, this is mildly related, Adam. If we ever play that game, which I think we should, but if we ever play it, at some point, I'm going to have to write some version of the, uh, the Bill Murray Star Wars Lounge Singer song. I don't know if you've ever seen that from Saturday Night Live, but I, I don't recall. It's been a while. No. So, Aaron, you got any ideas? So, what is, uh, actually, why don't you hit me with some of your, uh, 
your, your knee-jerk reaction to this. So we're talking about this nostalgic kind of feel that we'd like to include in our games from other properties. And what was uh, one of the first things that crossed your mind? Kolchak the Night Stalker, which really shouldn't be uh, much of a surprise to anyone, quite frankly. Oh, you mean uh, Bad X-Files? I mean original X-Files, you fuck. <laughs> Darren McGavin's a goddamn national treasure. Uh-huh. So he's dead now, but... Like most national treasures. But what is what about Kochek? Uh, tell you what, I'm getting the cart before the horse. So what is Kochek, if you were going to give us an elevator pitch for it? Okay, so Kolchak is about a cantankerous reporter played by Darren McGavin, who finds himself... Uh, he always finds himself reporting on... Uh, supernatural doings. I should point out, the show takes place in, I can't remember if it's Los Angeles or New York, but uh, at first it was a TV movie just called The Night Stalker, highest rated or most viewed TV movie in history, I think, for its debut. But it's, and it's set in Las Vegas and he actively, like, discovers that a vampire is killing women and he figures it out and, like, solves, basically helps solve the case and everything. And the chief of police is like, yeah, no, you can't make us look like idiots. You either kill this story or, like, or you either leave, kill the story and leave town or, like, we'll ruin your life or something. I don't remember exactly what the threat is. But, so, I think he's still willing to publish it, but his editor's like, mm, can't do it, buddy, sorry. And then it's it ends with a lonely shot of him leaving Las Vegas to sad music. Quick note: uh, the sh- the show is actually set in Chicago. Chicago, okay, yeah. Chicago. It used to be on Netflix, and it's not anymore, and that makes me sad. But you can buy the entire series on DVD, and it's fun. I mean, it's not it's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but it's seventies as hell, and most of the episodes are pretty good. There's a couple duds. Uh, I think one involving a Mayan mummy, but it's. It's Darren McGavin playing Darren McGavin. And for those of you unfamiliar with Darren McGavin, he's the dad from A Christmas Story. It's a good way of describing him. Well, I mean, he played the dad from The Christmas Story. (laughs) No, he is the dad from The Christmas Story. That's a good point. They tried to do a reboot. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, it had the dude in it who was in uh, the Lassat movie. Oh, Uh, I someone with Alea or whatever. I I think I got Queen of the Damned. Yeah, Queen of the Damned. There you go. No. And you know, it was so so. So okay, so we got this basic feel. We have this uh, news reporter who keeps ending up investigating these uh kind of bizarre and supernatural deals. So what would you take from this, Aaron? Like what would you include into a game? Uh well, I feel like you have to keep the sev- like the era because I feel like the seventies is just it's great to base games in because it's so for lack of a better word, the seventies are just so it's just such a goofy decade, just in terms of like the things that are on TV, the music that people are listening to the fads of the time. And I don't really think you can divorce, or I think it's important. It's important to the tone. And I also think you need to not take it, take, uh, take what you're doing too seriously. Okay. Like, I think you have to, you know, tone, like you have to realize, okay, this is what I'm basing this on. And it's, it in itself is kind of goofy and you just like, I don't know. I'm struggling to think of a way to describe it, but like, so you need to play up the, the slock of it all. There. Yes. Yeah. It needs to, it needs to not take itself too seriously. It needs to be for lack of a better term, seventies, creepy, 
I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, uh, that's a, that's the wrong term because there are actually a lot of movies from the seventies that are actually pretty creepy. Yeah, I was gonna say, but like, like Alien. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you need to think like seventies TV creepy. So not you know not full blown horror, but like what's gonna scare the housewives for lack of a better term. Okay. And you need to have fun with it. Like like I said, don't take it too seriously. Um, and your monsters need to be kind of goofy too. Like you, you kind of need to go a little off the wall. So not just like, ah, it's a, it's a vampire or I'll check out this, uh, this werewolf, like fucking, you know, maybe bikers, some kind of monster bikers or the aforementioned, uh, mummy, Mayan mummy, like something wakes up in a museum or something, go a little Scooby-Doo with it. Okay, so are you are you wanting to kind of work? Well, I think you pretty much said this that you're wanting to work with the supernatural kind of aspect of it. And seventies horrors, you kind of pinned the term there. Do you have a particular uh, system, or what would, what would best accommodate this level of gameplay? I think the gumshoe system would work. I don't know a lot about esoterrorists, but it might work. Monster of the week, actually. Uh, tell me if I'm off base here, but I think Fiasco might actually be a lot of fun. I don't think Fiasco would work out. Um, it doesn't quite have the right kind of rule set. I, I think you're right with Gumshoe. I'd lean more towards Fear itself than uh, Esoterrorist. So. Ah, I don't know a whole lot about about the difference between the two of them. I just know that they're they're a thing. I just the only thing I was thinking about with with uh, oh fuck what was it uh, Fiasco is that I like the idea of one person playing the Kolchak, one person playing the monster, and the rest of the people in the newsroom who are just like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with this bullshit he's giving us? That is pretty great. Like, one person plays the editor, just just angry all the goddamn time. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't run this. What does he want me to do? You know, you could take it, you could take something like this a tad bit forward in, future, in a timeline and set it in the 80s, and you could even do something where it's like a music sign or something like that. I think that would be kind of cool. My experience with 70s horror is kind of limited to, you know, Kochak and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre and movies like that, but it, it's, maybe it's just me, because I didn't grow up in the 70s. I know that you had, like, the war going on, and then there was a lot of international incidents kind of jumping in, in here and there. But 80s, it just seems like I keep going back to the satanic panic. So you could you could kind of frame it with that and a, a group of people who are running a zine for an underground music scene. And you got all these bands coming in. That could kind of be, like, maybe the catalyst for like a little mini campaign is you're reporting at an event, you're getting autograph, not autographs, but interviews and shit like that. And then, you know, something happens and yeah, no, that'd be cool. Wait, do you mean a zine though? That uh, uh, say zine. You did. You did <laughs> say zine. Like, it's all right. I know it's a zine too. It's my first thought was, did Adam just say Zion? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, it took me a moment. I'm like, wait, what? You have a master's degree. I he's do. got he's got the poo brain. Uh, I've also been drinking, so I kind of switched to home dialect. But that's neither here nor there. I'm kind of taking your time, Aaron. Is there anything else? No, dude, you're good. I also think you could kind of switch it up and go a little Scooby Doo with it, uh, which you know is different from Kolchak. But you could do like you know you mentioned uh, a band. You could do a Josie and the Pussycats themed game, sort of, or a Jabberjaw themed. We don't say that name in this house. 
Okay, so there you go. It's going to be a gubble bum shoe, as I like to call it, or bubble gum shoe. I hate Jabberjaw so much. Why? (laughs) I hate that because he's so fucking annoying. They were like, hey, let's take what made Scooby-Doo great and make it awful. Uh, Fun fact, Scooby-Doo's real name, uh, Scoobert Doo. He has a cousin named Scooby-Dumb. Yes. (laughs) He's a hick. He is. He is Scooby-Dumb. Anyway, I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead. Are you sorry that you interrupted me? Or are you sorry about talking about Hicks and saying Scooby-Dumb? Like, I need to know what we're apologizing for, Asto. Oh, I'm sorry for ignoring you. <laughs> no, sorry for interrupting you. I'd never apologize for making no. fun of Hicks. Uh, so, oh, that's not nice. <laughs> so if somebody would like to you know, contact us and volunteer to run a bubblegum shoe game of Josie and the Pussycats meets Sabrina, that would be a, probably a very good time. Yes. There are even more chilling adventures of Sabrina, by the way. It's true. Now, I think I'm going to jump on the grenade next. And I just recently in the past, oh, year and a half, two years, I've learned about the black companies. So I went ahead and listened because, you know, I don't have time to actually pick up a book and read. But I listened to the first, I guess, arc of it, which the first like four books of the black company. And I was really uh, taken by it. And I've spoke in the past of trying to do something with the black company. I know that Green Ronin put out a D&D supplement that was the Black Company, and it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, they got the worlds there. They got the characters statted out and things like that. But I think the thing that I take from the Black Company that I would like to homage is there's a lot of gray area in it. So you're playing people. It's told from the perspective of the uh, lore keeper slash chronicler, Croker. And it's this mercenary company that's been around for hundreds of years. And in the very beginning section of it, they get employed by this entity known as the Lady, who is a very big bad. But as the story goes on and they're doing things for the Lady, the world in which they interact with, the people you would say were quote-unquote good guys aren't very like, aren't depicted in a very flattering light. Now, they do depict some of the uh, other bad guys doing you know bad things and stuff like that but there's this general feel of you're fighting you're choosing a lesser evil so you're working with this horrible monstrous overlord but you're going up against eventually you go as she goes up against her husband and he's much worse and stuff like that so like you're working for evil you're kind of probably not a very good person yourself and you're doing you're fighting a worse evil. And that's something I kind of liked. I've, you know, when Band of Blades came out, I just absolutely just fell head over heels. I'm like, well, fuck, this is Black Company with the serial numbers filed off of it. But in preparing to run it, I've read through the lore and all that. And there's definitely a lot of elements of Black Company that the uh, Band of Blades game uses. There's the Taken in the book, which are like the supernatural-powered emissaries of the lady. And Band of Blades are called the... Uh, the Broken, I think. It sounds cool. Yeah. It, it's, it is really cool. And Band of Blades has, takes a lot of influence from it. But where it differs and why I would not particularly... I'm not going to try to run Band of Blades. I mean, Black Company and Band of Blades is the fact that the entire game of Band of Blades is framed around you have just went to this big humanity all gathers together and fights this evil force. And guess what? You got your asses kicked. So you're... The entire game is you in full retreat, trying to gather whatever kind of resources, develop a plan or whatnot, back to a keep for a final stand. Just kind of like going to a music festival. 
<laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I did go to Farm Aid '94. I saw Willie Nelson. Nice. Did you? Did you also have to retreat and pool your resources with other people? <laughs> My aunt bought me whiskey. Does that count? So, so yes. Yes, yes, that that definitely counts. So uh, here's my take from it. I just want to set up a scenario where you're working for some like someone who is evil, but you're basically fighting something that's worse and worse than them. And there's two systems that I had in mind for this. The first one was, and Chris, you may actually, I don't remember which one of y'all were in here. I think Chris was, but there is a blaze in a dark hack called Wardens in the Garden. Which that was the game that I, I think I pretty much said if I run this, Chris can't play. Not nothing against you personally, but you're basically like working for this jackboot government. Oh yeah, yeah. I, like I love you. <laughs> I'd derail it to a different fucking universe. So we'd be working for the clampdown, is what you're saying? Yeah, you would be basically working for the clampdown, and you're working in the slums. Adam just quoted the Clash. I wondered why my hands shriveled when I said that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> would you say they're wearing their blue and brown? Yep. They put up a poster saying they make more, they earn more than you. Side note, and then we're going to jump back on. I've only listened to one class song in my entire life, and it was while I was on a tour bus leaving London, and they were playing London Calling. That's a great uh, song, though. It is a great song, but they have better songs. I mean, you're not wrong, but, <laughs> but London is calling, and I live by the river. So London is drowning, and I live that, there. That's right. Back to jackboots, guys. Back to jackboots. Back so to jackboots. You're essentially in, I almost call it like, it seems like it's described as like a mid-car or uh, the Shire. The Spire or Shire? The Elf game? What's it called? Spire. Spire. Like, humanity's actually kind of all clustered in this one city when all the supernatural stuff in the world broke loose. And you're working for this fascist government as their agents, and you're trying to keep dissent from someone in the ranks of the humans or like rebellion, but you're also fighting these supernatural entities. Now, if I were to keep going with this and I'll also try to find the link for this, you can get this work off of the uh, creator's Patreon. I wouldn't want you to continue working. If I were going to run it for the fascist government, I just have, there's just so much of that I could take. I wouldn't mind starting you out in a dark spot and then present opportunities as it comes up for you to branch out and take a lighter path and even go up against your own government. So it would be playing Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. You know what? I thought that the city was kind of a Midgar thing, but yeah, that was it. (laughs) Now, if I were going to do it in another way, and this is one that don't be surprised if I don't ask you to do, I was looking at uh, 13th Age. I like it. I'm certain to get into D20. I haven't until this past year, really. Adam. Look, he's D20 curious. It's okay. 13th Age is kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, but it's got a few add-ons and stuff. And one of the big things that they got, they have in that book is they don't have gods listed. You can go willy-nilly with that. You have like their avatars or their... The icons. Icons. I was digging for that word. One of the icons that you have is called the Crusader, which is... A very militaristic, uh, he serves the dark gods, he has dark designs and all that, but he has only room for his god. So the Crusader actually ends up doing a lot of, quote-unquote, good deeds for dubious reasons. And I think it would be a fun game that if you somehow got drafted among the Crusader's rank. That could be cool. That would work. That would work. Yeah. And, you know, your 
I wouldn't say that you did it by choice. I actually like the idea that you, you're kind of indebted. And, you know, this is, you know, to get whatever you got from the Crusader, this is what you had to do. Now you're working it off. And um, working for the. <laughs> and the best part would be your everybody has an icon and yours wouldn't have been the Crusader. So mm. you're pretty, now when you switch, you switch sides and shit like that, you're kind of your name's mud. So you may even be pure of heart doing the good thing. But at the same time, you're kind of stuck <laughs> in a different spot. You've made your choice. You made your choice and all. So, yeah, again, what I was just shooting for is uh, that feel of working for the lesser evil and then hopefully redemption. Because, you know, toward the end of the Black Company, it it ends much differently than it begins. I will say that much. Hmm. So, yeah, if you haven't read that, they're they're pretty decent books. I think me, Ian, and Noah have read them. I thought maybe Burke, too. Yeah, I think Burke's well read. (laughs) Burke's a learned man. (laughs) And he sounds it, unlike myself. So, Chris, what do you have for us, buddy? I have, uh, I want to do an homage to one of the greatest games of the 2010s, Gears of War 3. No. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, um, no. Actually, it is kind of a weird pick, because I'm not big on superheroes or Marvel or anything, but I would love to try to create an homage of the FX TV show Legion. Interesting mm. choice. Yeah. Uh, to those who don't know, it's based off of the X-Men, uh, one, the X-Men character Legion, who is uh, basically the most powerful mutant in the universe, but he is extremely, extremely unhinged, just deeply, deeply mentally ill. Uh, they didn't do that in the, sh- in the show. Well, they did in that he is mentally ill as well, but they portray it very well. And the show itself is just a fucking fever dream. So, like, you you have all of a sudden like dance numbers out of nowhere. Um, you're never really sure what's going on, and uh, it would Aubrey just Plaza's there. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza's there. Being Aubrey Plaza, and also the devil, sort of. She should just be in everything, though. Let's be honest. There's actually a fantastic zombie film called Life After Beth, which is about Aubrey Plaza coming back as a zombie. Nice. It's really weird. <laughs> so. What would you pull from this? What are what material would you like to experiment in a role playing game? Um, I'm always interested in portraying mental illness because it's something I, I I battle with myself, and not in a like good or bad light, but in a like this is something you have to deal with. Like a big point of the show was like people are trying to say that this guy he's not he doesn't have superpowers he's mentally ill or it's like he's he's not he's not mentally ill it, it's his superpowers manifesting. But then, like, the actual thesis of the finale is like, no, I I have really, I'm really powerful, and it fucks with my head. I'm also mentally ill. So I kind of like that interplay of your stressor and your unique gift that sort of kind of bounce, bounce against each other. I think it's also why I like the game Don't Rest Your Head, because the whole point about Don't Rest Your Head is insomnia gives you superpowers. Okay. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to balance those two things to really understand what's going on. Do you mind if I pick your brain? Sure. Okay. So I'm really digging where you're going with this. How would you make it now? That's a really centered around one person. Is this something that if you were going to run it and run it in like the superhero capacity, would you make this like the entire group would be at least manifest in some form of uh, superpower that was brought on by mental illness? Oh, for sure. Um, Actually, a lot of the the show itself is all of the X-Men characters themselves have their own issues like one girl 
her superpower is that she can switch bodies with everyone. So she has like an avoidant personality disorder now. One guy can read your memory, uh, like go through your memories. So he's kind of controlling. Like all of these things manifest in some way as an outlet of your own mental illness. So I, I would be really fascinated to see how we could turn my jank ass depression into uh, lifting cars. Yeah, lifting cars. I like the idea of you rolling up mental disorders. Like, I don't want to like downplay that di- that deal, but like, you know, the character is the vehicle that you're running with there. So it's that's kind of cool. That yeah, might I recommend Fate? I was thinking Fate or Wild Talents. Okay, guys, there's only one superhero game, and it's Mutants and Masterminds. Well, shit. What about the Batman RPG? I'm looking at it right now, Aaron. There's a Batman RPG. It's my first role playing game I ever played. God damn it! You haven't listened to our backlog. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, there was. I played it in the '90s on a school bus with one of my best friends. God, the idea of playing a, a an RPG on the '90s or on the '90s on the bus is up there with playing Dungeons and Dragons at an IHOP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real psychopath thing to do. Look, man, you, my parents were probably were pretty anti D and D, so he had to get it where he could take it where you get it anyway that's not the point this is the point of this episode is homage and also me making adam mad apparently but anyway <laughs> so, so we have this really great idea here totally digging it now last question i got because like sure i don't want to say it but i'm really like you run this for us but how powered would you make something like this now your your source material is perhaps the most powerful mutant there was what would you prefer to do with this? Would this be since it's a large, like a large group of people? Would you prefer to make it more underpowered so everybody has to kind of work together, like street level, Daredevil, um, Iron Fist, Netflix shit? Uh, no, I think I'd make it more medium level because I'd be throwing you guys at conspiracies, things like that. Not just micromanaging the shit out of like six. Balls. Yeah, I really love how. The Marvel Universe, it's like the Avengers, America, Spider-Man, New York, Daredevil, six blocks. Yeah. <laughs> He's just swinging by and he, dude, throw a can on the ground. I fucking see what you did there, you son of a bitch. You pick it up. Yeah, I don't know I, why that's the accent I went with for Daredevil, but. And definitely, I wouldn't make this about like you being superheroes doing superheroic shit. It is you trying to just deal with your bullshit. Because those those are the more interesting stories to me. Because like you'll you'll have the X Men team where it's like we're all gonna beat up to fight Cable because he's bad now. But the whole point of like Legion was you guys have issues. People are trying to stop you because your issues are fucking everything else up. Hmm. Okay. I'm enjoying the fodder I'm hearing so far. So Aaron, do you have a honorable mention? Something else you would like to perhaps explore in a role playing game? Oh, there's there's a lot of stuff. I don't know. I read a lot of comic books. I just rebought a copy of L.A. Noir today, so that's probably going to make me go like, "Oh, I could do something with this." God, that game is so bad. I've had the weird urge to play it. I'm going to give it another shot. Um, Press X to make a weird face and like awkwardly move your skin suit body. Um, Hellboy would be another good one. All right, what about Hellboy? Well, I mean, it's all like folklore monsters and shit. Like, it's all myth and legend. Later on, it gets like weird Arthurian legend, and then and then he goes to hell, and that whole series is kind of interesting. So I don't know the idea of monsters fighting other monsters would be cool. Just atomic era sci-fi, 
films like East of Yucca Flats, Godzilla, stuff like that would be fun to do something with. I need to. I just haven't yet. Maybe that's maybe that's what I'll do with uh, It Came From The Late Late Show, is try and put together like some kind of weird monster, like giant monster film thing to do. But yeah, there's a whole lot of shit bouncing around that I just go, oh, well, that'd be cool to, to kind of do something with in this system. But Might I suggest something? Shoot. All right, so help me guess. I know our PPR ran. Actually, Caleb ran it for our PPR. But what was the uh, really uh, purest Trail Cthulhu scenarios? Oh, uh, Revelations? Not Revelations. Uh, or maybe it was Revelations. I know what you're talking about. It had like the rending box, the dance in the blood. Yeah. Uh, the final revelation. Final re- That's what it was. You could do something like that and do it as like a... Um, you could frame it as movies that people are watching during a movie marathon. Yeah, that's an option. Or as like an anthology film. Mm-hmm. That would be another option. I like. You got to watch Ghost Story then. I have not seen Ghost Story. I've, I think of who's is who's in that. It's a recent one. I can't think. I'd have to look it up. I've, I derailed you. I'm sorry. No, you're fine, uh, Adam. If you've got a Shutter account, you should watch Body Bags at some point. I, I'm going to probably during that was my spring break. <laughs> nice. Get caught up. Body Bags is it's it's from the early 90s. I think it's a. A John Carpenter anthology film where he he himself plays like the crypt keeper ish figure, and yeah, also it sounds like it can go bad fast. It look it's not great, but it's 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 a movie that my friend Hayden would describe as not good. It's not good, but it's great. Um, you also see Mark Hamill's ass at one point. So okay, so A plus. Yeah, I was gonna say if that's your thing, seeing his pasty white ass. There's another one. I think it's called Nightmare Cinema that just got added to Shutter. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently it's decent. Um, creep show, of course, stuff like that. So I was thinking, and this is an idea. I got two goes this year. Let me rephrase this. I got two goes this year for RP. One is to go ahead and get what I hope will turn into kind of a drop in, drop out Band of Blades uh, game going. And the next thing is, and Chris has witnessed me talking about it beforehand. Is I've always wanted to run Hillfolk. I'd play Hillfolk. Uh, we played it once just before we were recording games, and it yeah. we I think we turned it into Eater of the Dead by Michael Crichton, basically, or what would be the Thirteenth Warrior with I mean, Antonio Banderas. Nice. The, the initial setting basically is Eater of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we it, made it. I think it was just a, an espionage thing for, or not espionage, but just a tribal war thing, wasn't it? I think what it was is me and Rob were played brothers and we we had very like dueling philosophies because I was I was the sin eater and like super super uh, traditional while he was like a poet who was trying to change the way the tribe works so it was very like family drama so heel folk now I've been listening to this uh, podcast for the past uh, month or so but it's called the old gods of Appalachia I don't know. I know Aaron has listened to it. Have you listened to it yet, Aaron? I mean, Aaron, fuck Chris. Uh, yeah, I, I think I may have been the one who introduced you to it. Mm-mm. It was no? uh, Facebook, but oh, Facebook. Okay. Well, I, I got through like third party then. That's all good. So he'll focus drama system and it's all about just, you know, constructions of scenes and stuff like that. I mean, you can have action and things like that, but it's, you know, less emphasis on crushing monsters with dice and shit like that. And it's more breaking bad. Yeah, or breaking bad. 
yeah, you can, you're, you're basically making a TV drama. So I've been listening to, you know, Oh Gods of Appalachia, which it's a, it's a horror. It's more or less like you're having an anthology of tales that all intertwine together being told to you. And it's got this Lovecraftian kind of uh, mythosy vibe to it, but it's not, at least as far as everything I've listened to, it's not explicitly like, Oh, here's Shubnigaroff and here's, you know, not after Hotep or anything like that, but I, I don't know that kid. That kid, yeah, that kid's that that boy's fucked up. I haven't listened to the newest episode because I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait till the whole thing's out and then I'm gonna binge it or just re-listen to all of it. Yeah, that kid's fucked up. What I would like to do is do a hill folk drama game, and this is something that I planned actually before I listened to the podcast, but set in Appalachia during the time of Prohibition. And you're a family of moonshiners. And, you know, with us and horror and things that we like to play, I always had intentions of making it go less justified, more spooky spooky, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would think something like that would be great. So things that I would pull from Oh Gods, just that cosmic horror aspect. I think that vibe would work really, really well for Drama System, too. My characters, I've already got my character's name. John Lee Pettimore. That was a Steve Earl joke for the kids. Now, is that the same as your daddy and his daddy before? It, it, one and the same. I've seen Steve Earl in concert. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so not going to go too much into details, but I would abandon the anthology element that is kind of, that I at least am picking up from Oh God's Appalachian. I'd rather just like make one story, but I'm really... Oh, Gods of Appalachia has kind of inspired me that you could make horror in the in the hills of Appalachia. So, yeah, I'm always in favor of uh, having an excuse to speak the way I speak and talk about what I know, and uh, it'd be fun. It would be, and I'd get to I'd get to do a an Appalachian accent. No, you would not. <laughs> I damn sure would. You can't stop me. All right, Aaron, hit us with your best Appalachian accent. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> well, shit. Well, shit, fellers, let's let's drink some moonshine and goddamn, it's like I'm at a family reunion. <laughs> fucking, uh, fucking, go down to Square Dance and uh, fucking, you know, smoke some luckies and. I was gonna rate you on a scale of oh to fuck you, but you're somewhere <laughs> around oh and stuff like that. I, you know, I started running out of steam at the end there. It's fine. Like, it's fine. It's different. So, you know, those kind of things that one would hit upon would be you know, being cut off from the larger world, kind of your own micro setup there. Like it would be a town and a woods and, you know, the homestead. There wouldn't be too many set pieces. And uh, yeah, so I think that's my biggest problem with Delta Green is what I'm going back on is too. It's like if you play modern day Delta Green, I mean, you got a smartphone, you got cell phones, you got communication you've got everything and stuff like that and real horror for me is being cut off from all that you know actually one of the reasons i like the looks of that call of cthulhu uh, pulp game that i mentioned at the beginning of the episode is like a lot of those amenities are not there and you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere and you can't get more in the middle of nowhere than you know the hills of appalachia it's true so that was the end of the original recording. Ian, kind of going for this general theme of what we're working with here, what work or you know property would you be interested in homaging? 
Well, uh, I've always had a, a soft spot for uh, Twin Peaks, so and because that is homaged everywhere, I might as well rip off that as well. Okay, so let's let's narrow it down now. Kind of briefly explain Twin Peaks and what you would pull from that. It's like you don't have to go through the entire uh, series necessarily if it's kind of more of a setting thing. But well, so for Twin Peaks, uh, I only ever watched the first season and then kind of the half of the second season when it started to not get great. And so it's, it's basically about, for those who don't know, it takes place in a North, uh, I think it's Oregon or Washington, Northwest United States, small town girl named Laura Palmer, who's one of the most popular girls in the town. Well-beloved is found dead, murdered. And an FBI agent named Dale Cooper comes up to uh, investigate what killed her and who killed her. And it kind of, it's directed by David Lynch. So it's not really something that's straightforward. It's very insane. A lot of characters are very quirky. And it's just, you keep asking more and more questions every episode. And whether or not you're going to get an answer is up to David Lynch. Usually the answer is no. Or usually you don't want the answer. You just want no answers. Because no answers is actually makes more sense than actual answers but it's it's very interesting it takes kind of like um the setting itself is you get a lot of iconic uh areas so is the diner the school the police station the Hiram lodge which is uh belongs to one of the the Hirams who are one of the well-known and uh, well-off families in the region and sort of mixes the whole murder mystery with quirky slice of life slash school life um uh, genres it's it's but then there's also this element of the supernatural if i'm not mistaken yes too. there is a supernatural element that slowly becomes more and more prevalent as the as the series goes a series goes on uh especially in the second season uh, but the first season, it's very much, which is what I really like. The first season, Supernatural is there, but it's more no one's sure um, what, like some characters know exactly what's happening. And other most most characters, including even Cooper, uh, are still trying to figure out, you know, oh, there's more to this town than meets the eye. There's uh, there's much more underneath the surface. And, some, and a lot of the Supernatural stuff is just caused by people being assholes. <laughs> Like, it's just someone wants to screw someone else over, and then something supernatural happens. Like you do. Yeah, like you do. Um, everyone has... It's 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 a very well done uh, mix of both the supernatural and the quirky town with a dark secret. It also had Harry Dean Stanton in it, which is a damn national treasure, if you ask me. That's fair enough. Uh, it also had um, the girl from... Uh, Breakfast Club. Shit. Yeah, her name's eluding me. Now, for those of you that haven't seen it, you can definitely see its influences are far-reaching. Definitely uh, Riverdale took a few pages from... uh, There was that that game that Dee was a big fan of, Deadly Premonition. Yes. And uh, the game Aaron and I are massive stands for, Alan Wake. Yeah. Alan Wake. Uh, You also have Life is Strange, plus... uh, David Duchovny was in the second season of uh, Twin Peaks, and he is, uh, he was, and this X Files was not only directly influenced by Twin Peaks, but it was also uh, where David Duchovny was discovered 
by I think Mark Frost, who was involved with Geeks, and that's not, yeah, he was involved with Twin Peaks, and that's how he got involved with X Files. So, what about Twin Peaks would you like to pull from? Well, I really want to pull the 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 setting itself. Like, um, to me, if I would do this, I wouldn't just throw the players um, into the supernatural and the murder and whatnot. I I, I remember Vince saying how he, when he would run a game, he wants to um, allow a session or two for the players to kind of build their characters and sort of what's happening. And so I kind of want to like at least one in a session to at least allow the setting to build uh, because a lot of ca- I want the players to basically be going back to a lot of the same areas so you have the, the i'd have like the diner and the lodge and probably the police station where they would talk and whatever shit i would also really want to pull like is it supernatural is it not and really work on that because a lot of times like i've had it like in delta green the players know there's the supernatural and that it exists or you can or at least like the supernatural is very blatant um if you're doing just straight delta green if you're toying with it then it can be very if and or but but uh, with Twin Peaks, you were never really sure whether or not it is supernatural until much later on. Otherwise, uh, sometimes it was just like, what just happened? I don't know. Maybe it was a dream. And I also really want to pull more of the, um, of the power shift dynamics that like all the NPCs have their own little thing going on in the background. So like, I don't want to spoil anything because I really like Twin Peaks. And I, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's a 30-year-old show. It's I didn't see it until two years ago, Chris. So it's might be 30 years old, but I didn't know about it until I watched Deadly Premonitions and everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's just like Twin Peaks. And I was like, what the fuck is Twin Peaks? Don't get me wrong. I love I love Twin Peaks, but I, I think we can ignore the spoiler culture for a 30 year old show. Oh, OK. So like if you had so there's one where Jody, who is the um, was the owner of an inn uh, that is uh, very well. It's popular. And so she's from overseas in china and she has her whole thing where she was supposed to marry this drug lord and then the drug lord survived and there's an assassination attempt this is all going in the background while cooper is still trying to deal with all the supernatural bullshit that's happening and so i really like that where it's just like this stuff is happening and the players can get involved with it but even if they don't get involved with it it might come back to bite them because at one point Cooper is like has to go to Jody to ask her something, and then he walks in on the drug lord holding her hostage, and then he gets held hostage. What a fucking weird show! I think that's what happened. I've, it's, yeah, it's been a while since I watched this, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. If if not, at least like the sheriff, sheriff and Jody are are having a romance, and so like I know Healy's gets involved with the drug dealer, which then pulls him away from Cooper's case, and Cooper has to deal with that. Like a whole lot of shit is happening, and so I think that I'd like to have. And yes, Chris, it is a very weird show. Uh, I think I'd like to have where it's like the NPCs are having uh, different kind of like shit happening. Like if I really wanted to take it, I'd say I I probably am homage, I want to homage a little. I probably homage a little bit in um in the Loops game that we're playing, um, especially with Karen Richards, who hopefully we will be able to. Okay, so you're wanting to if let me reset this make sure i'm following so the quirky aspect of it and then the fact that this is a living breathing world that things are going to happen with or without you is kind of what you're pulling from this so yeah tells from the loop and then you i guess you could start importing like something that i discovered while playing blades in the dark but start throwing clocks out on the table for certain events yeah i definitely would do that um if i also want to be honest if I wanted to pull a bit from use just the elements as well. I could also pull from um, 
ideas of uh, of uh, depends on the genre that you kind of want to go and the mood you want to set. So if you want to set like a mystery with elements of supernatural, but everyone's normal, you can just go for uh, you know with like Blades of the Dark, uh, that kind of like the timer setting, and go for more of a. I don't want to say Call of Cthulhu. I honestly want to say Fate would probably be the best option of this one that I know of. Uh, but if you want to go for more like a Life is Strange kind of feeling, you could easily do Masks, or you could do. Um, there's a good game called Gumshoe where there's a hack. Yeah, it was the Gumshoe system. This is Gumshoe Bubble Gumshoe. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. They use the Gumshoe system that has a hack where um, you get powers. But they're very, very mm. weak powers because you're just, they're just kids. So they're not like, you're not like Superman strong. You're just, you have a power. And so you could go more of the Life is Strange area. But I personally prefer the uh, human thing because I don't like the idea that you could punch the supernatural to death because uh, I feel like that would end up making it. Although, Till Cooper is really good at doing anything. So uh, he's kind of a Mary Sue, yeah. He's kind of a Mary Sue, yeah. It, I got it. Got, I got it from a dream. So therefore, we're on the right path. Uh, okay. I love just everyone just goes with whatever the fuck he says. I know that was the best part. Just okay. So yeah, that, that doesn't sound like too bad of a pool there. So just the world that we're wanting to use would be the yes. the main thing. That and the the atmosphere, the theme, the atmosphere. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't like I said we uh, beforehand and all this stuff. We don't necessarily have to recreate it. You're not setting out Dale Cooper or anything. I I like the fact that no, the, but mm-hmm. I do like Dale Cooper. No, oh. he's great. He's really great. It was pretty cool. Well, I look forward to seeing these be- these elements being incorporated into our Tilson and Loop game that we're currently running. If playing. I'm able to, hopefully, uh, it's a bit different because it's uh. It's more of a nostalgic kind of thing, but if uh, Kara Richards is anything to go off of, I can at least incorporate some X-Files into there. So, You know, looking back, so, you know, I grew up watching Twin Peaks when it came. I think I was in fourth grade. It may have actually been coming on TV around 1989, which uh, had been right, right about that time. 1989, 1990, and 1991 was when it stopped. Okay. Until it came back to like 26 years later. I, I totally still remember that they would write things like fire walk with me. That is one of those famous lines. Yeah. And then people started quoting that. And this was, I know I've mentioned this, but this was right after the satanic panic in the eighties. We were still kind of feeling that when I was Mm. in fourth grade and all that. And I remember my mother telling me that she saw in the news. Of course, back then I could trust the news that, you know, somebody in California was writing Fire Walk with me on their notebook, and then a bunch of Satanists found out they were doing it and threatened to hurt them. And just like, it's just crazy shit. But that's, whenever anyone mentions Twin Peaks, I'm, I'm taken back to fourth grade and glad that I didn't write that on my notebook so that the, the you know, Satanists in California didn't track me down to Kentucky. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just such a good, I don't know. Because the thing is, I actually watched X Files before I watched Twin Peaks, and then I went back and watched Twin Peaks. And first off, I love Audrey. Audrey, Audrey's the best. She's mm-hmm. the fucking best. Uh, her and Cooper. But man, I have never been more interested in a small town mystery than I was when I was watching that show. Just because it was like this is a fucking video game before it was before it was literally a video game. If you ever do this game. If you could tie in, there's an author, a little old lady who shows up in town, who's a famous horror uh, mystery writer, 
and have her join the case with you. That would be most of my total eighties nostalgia when you throw <laughs> Angela Lansbury and Murder She Wrote in. Oh, I would, I would, I would love to do that. I mean, to be fair, did you know like at one point Agatha Christie went missing and was like another person? Honestly, I would love to do a Call of Cthulhu game where fucking Agatha Christie got dragged into a Call of Cthulhu adventure for those whatever missing days. That would be the best. But um, there's the whole Doctor Who episode about that too. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, I would love love to do. The thing is, I don't know whether I would like to do a Life is Strange esque thing because I do like the idea of a bunch of kids just kind of, I, I don't know, just like some having powers and some not. It's just it would be interesting because then you have to deal with the shit that happens, but you also have a different power dynamic or not. It, it was just you know it's an idea I like to kick around, but I love the idea of a small town mystery. Well, can I, can I interrupt you real quick? I think you need to look into kids with kids on bikes. I think this would be your total system here for that because with kids on bikes, not only you know is it kids on bikes and you're hitting that nostalgia and stuff like that, but you also there is rule everything statted out where you could have a character in there, maybe even just an NPC, so you can keep everything kind of balanced out between the people at the table. It's like everybody else is mundane, and then there's this one person who has these particular gifts that each, uh, that every player at the table can kind of utilize. So I think that would be a good idea. Uh, I also think, I mean, the thing is like some players might not want to be kids because in this town, everybody can be like, you can be from a kid to a, to an adult. Uh, at least that's the way that might go. But yeah, I like that idea of if, if I'll have to check that out because if kids on bikes allows you to balance that, that would be pretty fantastic. And then there's the follow-up kids in space. So, you know, you could really make it fucking go off the rails. Yeah. I mean, that would not be too out of line for the themes of Twin Peaks. Just you walk into a cabin and then you look out the window and you're in fucking space. <laughs> would not be yeah, out of line for that. That works. It's just like, yeah, man, the lodge was used for aliens. It's like, all right, well, that makes perfectly fucking sense in this universe, I guess. Hey, Chris, before we move on here, do you have any feedback on this? Anything that you would like to address with Tin Peaks that would be gameable or whatnot? I actually think some of the issues would be that the stuff that made Twin Peaks really Twin Peaksy is basically ungameable. Because, like, a lot of what made Twin Peaks so good was how stilted everyone's speech patterns were, how how full-on just soap opera the life was, but with this weird paranormal aspect. Like, that's the, that's the issue with pretty much any David Lynch thing. You, you kind of have to get that right vibe, and it's very hard to get a David Lynch vibe. I Yeah, I, I think that... I Well, I mean, the thing is, before I even do this, I'd have to talk with the players about it, and I want yeah. to, like, I, I would address... Which reminds me, I do have to talk to you guys about Tales of the Loop. I have to, like, do that. But but for, like, this game, yeah, you definitely have to, I have to sit down to everyone and explain to them, this is going to be a... I'm going to attempt a David Lynch-esque Twin Peaks thing but if i fuck up um which i most likely will you know don't hold that yeah don't hold that against me just roll with it if if they aren't stilted if they start talking to normal people just go with it some normal people are in the town some normal people aren't or some people aren't it's just you know that's like i'm limited by by who i am yeah it's kind of like the same thing with Dreamhounds of paris like everything about that sounds my shit you're you're all playing weirdo 1930s surrealists going into the dreamlands but because it's so weird it would be uh hard to uh, explain but then again i'm also the guy who fucking pitched legion before the uh recording fucked up so 
Oh, it made it. I say with that, we're going to go ahead and transition in onto our shout out section. Insert musical interlude, Adam. All right, so guys, I've Chris has heard this feel one time, so I'll give the abridged version of it. I've, I think since the beginning of January, I've started listening to quite a bit of audiobooks. I kind of go through spurts where I'll go crazy with podcasting, and then I'll take a break and listen to some audiobooks. So I'm kind of in the audiobook phase right now. I'll jump out of it pretty soon. But in the past month, I have listened to three books from Audible by the author Grady Hendrix. I've listened to We Sowed Our Souls, which is a nice little story about a washed out musician who turns out there's like, well, it gets kind of supernatural. Like there is one I read called Horror Store, which is basically what if Ikea was a haunted house. And just recently I finished what is possibly his uh, best known work, which is My Best Friend's Exorcism. So, oh yeah. Have you read that one? Uh, that one I haven't read. I've seen it though. And I thought it was, I'm going to be honest. I thought, it was a art tabletop RPG because it reminded me so much of when I saw the cover. I thought it was like, oh, it, it looks like an old VHS. No, it looks like an old VHS, but it also reminded me of, of um, fuck, of like, it just reminded me of like one of the, because it was during the 80s homage period mm-hmm. when I saw it. And so I was like, oh, is that a tabletop RPG for an 80s thing? It was like, no, no, it's it's way better. Well, I thought I kind of found it when I was looking for stuff. It was, I think I started, I found it after. Stranger Things season three, and I was kind of over the summer feeling this nostalgic kind of thing. So, yeah, I've been listening to those and finish them up. And let me tell you, they're they're great. They're he makes uh, Grady Hendrix can create some really creepy scenes. Totally dig, but also has a nice take on humor. So it's not like you're reading, you know, John dies at the end or something like that, where dick jokes right. on every page. In fact, they're much more tamer, stuff like that. But I don't know. They're just really good books. Uh, honestly, Horror Source kind of got me thinking of something I may do an RPG at some point in time if I ever get all my shit together. But yeah, so I'm not going to talk about the homage of it, but I would definitely recommend you check out all of those. Uh, in particular, though, My Best Friend's Exorcism is the best. And by the way, all these stories are told with free female protagonists. My Best Friend's Exorcism was great, but Horror Store has this nice little introduction to each particular chapter where it's going through the catalog of items that you would find at this knockoff American version of Ikea. And I don't know, there's a little bit different production value going on there. So if you're looking for a good place to start, I would recommend, you know, My Best Friend's Exorcism. And then from there, just pick any of his works. They're all great. Uh, Chris, do you have anything this go around? Um, Honestly, I didn't do any. I didn't really think about it today. <laughs> ah, that's a that's a okay. Uh, I've been recently been reading a uh, listening to an audio documentary called It Burns, which is by Mark Fennell. It's a, it's absolutely fascinating. It's about super hot chili peppers and the people who who are obsessed with like eating and growing them. And it's basically one long book about mental trauma and um, disordered eating. It's fascinating. Hmm. Awesome. Like I. I may actually steal a few uh, ideas from it for uh, an unknown armies game. Oh God, yeah, that that's a ritual. Oh, oh yeah. 
What about you, Ian? Have you been experiencing any new media? So I just recently read, well, so I got a bunch of books from my parents for Christmas. So I've been diving into those. Um, I recently been have been reading um, Japanese short stories and a collection, which is very fascinating because the, uh, the editor separated uh, the stories into five different categories. And so you have ones that take place called the settlers, which are uh, takes place from uh, uh, like the early 1800s all the way up to just before uh, the industrial revolution. Um, And it's fascinating to uh, just learn about the different culture that way. But then you also have uh, uh, the ones that right before, uh, right after world war one happened and the change of dynamics, you have, uh, the short stories that happened right after World War II or during World War II, and it's just it's just so interesting because the way he he puts them is that you're seeing not only an evolution in writing, uh, but also the evolution in Japanese culture and values and uh, uh, nationality and everything. It's just it's really good. It's it's been a great read. Plus, there's plenty of short stories that you can get and use, and a lot of the authors have. A really fascinating backstories. I think one of my ones, I forget what his name was, like Miyamoto Miyasashi. Basically, he was one of the most influential writers in Japan during the 20th century, but he was also really, really radical. And he believed that Americanization was destroying Japanese nationality. So he created a militia and stormed one of the self-defense forces command outposts, took the commander hostage and tried to start a nationwide rebellion within the self-defense force and when that didn't work out he killed himself and so it's it's really fascinating learning about all these stories and people there wow yeah i've also been reading getting into horror more so i just finished the shining by stephen king which was uh, an interesting read if you read the book you can understand why like he really dislikes the kubrick version even though the kubrick version is better no i understand exactly why yeah it's just the the writing style was very janky like he would mm-hmm. often switch povs without even letting you know like we just keep keep without warning he just keeps switching between all of them uh, the only one that was consistent was dick because dick was the only person that uh wasn't with the family most of the book so he didn't have anyone to switch to which was just really weird but yeah no it was also it was interesting seeing the difference between that book and then the movie that you know but i was also getting ready for dr sleep which the parents also got me uh, but the one, the two books I've been, the one book I've been really, I read, um, Meddling Kids. Oh, that's great. I finished that up a couple months ago. Yeah. I loved that book. That book was so good. And the guy wrote another book, uh, involving Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, mm-hmm. uh, just recently. So that's been one other shout out I have to give is that, uh, it's not a book, it's an anime, but, um, it, it's a story called, it's not Dorororo, it's D-O-R-O-R-O, Dororo. It's basically about takes place during the Sengoku Jidai, which is like constant civil war in Japan. But this guy makes a deal with twelve de- demons, promises, "Hey, I'll give you anything if you just you know give me power and let my land flourish." And blah blah blah. So the demons decide to take his baby, but the way they take his baby is they take all the individual parts of the baby. So when it is born, it is just basically a lump of meat. It is somehow still alive, but it is just a lump of meat, and so they decide to go off and kill it, but it turns it basically into the Odyssey, I think? No. Uh, Odyssey and um, 
Oedipus, uh, where they leave the baby to die and it doesn't die. It uh, it survives and grows up and becomes basically a badass swordsman who now has to hunt down all the 12 demons and uh, uh, kill them in order to get his body back. But the more he kills them, the more the deal is reversed. So now the land that is uh, flourishing because of his uh, forced sacrifice is starting to revert back to more of a chaotic and uh, plagued land. And so it's a very interesting um, dynamic of the soul, humanity, um, you know, the sacrifice is the the few versus the many, that kind of thing. It's really, really good. And it has a lot of Greek uh, annotations in it. Uh, One character is basically the chorus. Uh, Another character is basically Odysseus. Uh, it's really good. Hmm, that actually sounds like my kind of my shit. Yeah, if you have um, it ha- it is Amazon Prime, but if you really don't want to pay for Amazon Prime, you can find it on YouTube, uh, or other video or other stores. Not that I'm advocating people do things illegally. That's totally not what I'm doing. But all I'm saying, sometimes you don't have to smash the sc- the state. Sometimes there are already cracks that you can sneak through. Yep, exactly. Oh. Anyways, it's really really good. Wait, wait, I'm getting a text message. Jeff Bezos? What? And Jeff doesn't appreciate that. Uh-huh. Oh, is he not uh-huh. Is he not going to subscribe? He's unsubscribing from our Patreon. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's pulling his billions out. His dollar. He, he he put posted a dollar a month. I would <laughs> fucking laugh if Jeff Bezos was like, damn it, the one, the one <laughs> RPG tabletop podcast fucking stole my shit. <laughs> the, you know that one podcast where one of the co-hosts is self-professed an anarchist. Damn it! If only if only, I was really enjoying listening to them. If only they hadn't done that. <laughs> so, speaking of enjoying listening, we hope that you, either you're Jeff Bezos or you're one of our wonder, wonderful subscribers, have enjoyed this episode. If you haven't yet, we would definitely appreciate it if you go on over to iTunes and give us a review or at least, you know, click five stars or something like that. You know, anything like that would definitely help get information about get us in that algorithm. You know, also, if you haven't checked it out, we have a Web page that I have somehow strung together with uh, fishing twine and duct tape. It is www.roleplayingexchange.com. I know jack shit about web editing. And stuff like that, but it's just kind of been my own little odyssey over the past couple years. Also, we have a Facebook page. We're at facebook.com slash exchange, And you can also find us on Twitter at R-P-E-X-C-H-A-N-G-E. And you know what? Speaking of Patreon, if you would like to help us make up for the money that Jeff Bezos had pulled out of our Patreon account, please head on over to you know patreon.com slash roleplaying exchange we have several different tiers available you could add that dollar in there to help compensate jeff bezos for moving his dollar or you could jump in at five dollars a month and you can listen to what we are going to immediately record after this which is our own patreon show beyond the wall of patreon and you know for ten dollars a month you can play with us so yay sounds pretty good we're a pretty good group to play with aren't we uh, I don't know about that. We are a very good group to play with, and if not, I can at least run a game where you will most likely fucking die. I get a lot of bad reviews. <laughs> I mean, Chris, you did that. What was that fucking one uh, uh, comment? Like, oh, he didn't roll self control. 
Let's do real self control. Fucking lame. Yeah, I'm a psychopath. Yep. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you all for tuning in. And until, I guess, February, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.